If you don't know me, my name's Ben. I'm one of the leaders here at the church, and it's great to see you. Was I on the video? Yeah, it's always very confusing. I I don't think I was physically here in the building, um, but I appeared on the video at Bradley Stoke a few minutes ago. It it was very confusing. Uh, Anyway, did you manage to see any fireworks last week? Hands up. Okay, uh, my wife Jess and I um, hosted uh, fireworks at our house. We had about 30 adults and children, um, mainly kind of people we've met through our children's schools, so uh, predominantly people that are not at all connected with church. And you'll be pleased to know that I managed not to kill anyone because it it was my responsibility to do the display. Um, so, but it was okay. That's kind of my main measure. Did, did everyone survive? Um, these people in Derby were not so fortunate. Next slide, please. So, Wendy Bagshaw spoke to Radio Derby, and a firework hit the roof of their house. She said it was like an Exocet missile and um, set fire to their house. So, boo. Um, So, I managed to not set fire to anyone's house as well. Don't you think it's remarkable in our kind of health and safety obsessed society that it's fine. They let hundreds of thousands of people every year buy and set off small explosives all across the country. It it seems strange to me, but there we go. It's it's, it's a fun little uh, tradition. Anyway... If you're new or visiting, then we're about halfway through our teaching series called Welcome to City, which is all about what kind of church we believe God wants us to be. So if this is your first Sunday, don't worry. It's just like getting on the bus and it it will all become clear. Um, Today, we're talking about being a church for the city. Let's do another show of hands. How many of you were born in Bristol? Oh, oh dear, oh dear, wrong way to start, Ben. An extreme minority. Um, So uh, clearly many of you uh, moved into Bristol. I, in fact, was born in Bristol. No need to applaud, it's okay. Um, uh, I was born in Southmead Hospital. Um, Oh, more of a cheer for Southmead than Ben. We won't, we won't analyze that, Clary. Um, uh, Southmead didn't look as good then uh, when I was born as it does now. Um, and they haven't got a blue plaque on the wall saying Ben Welshman was born here. But anyway, uh, I'll work it through. But I, um, I lived here till I was 10. And then because of my dad's job, uh, we moved as a family to Manchester Um, And I didn't want to leave. I had grand plans. I'm going to move back to Bristol as soon as as I'm independent. Uh, But actually, I studied in London, married the wonderful Jess. Good move, Ben. Um, And and we lived there for many years until about four years ago, uh, we felt God speaking to us about moving on, which was a bit of a surprise. But it soon became clear that Bristol was 
the place. And here we are. Praise God for bringing us to Bristol. What's your story? This is very relevant because most of you didn't grow up here. You may have moved here to study or for a job or because there was someone that you thought was really rather nice. That, uh, uh, but whatever reason that you moved here, um, I believe that each one of us is in the place where God wants us to be and we're here for a reason. What do you love about Bristol? That's not a rhetorical question. You are allowed to answer me. Anyone, what do you love about Bristol? Balloons. Okay, they're not exactly a fixture of Bristol, are they, David? You know, they kind of float around. Anything a bit more permanent? There's always a few, aren't there? Yes, yes. We love North Somerset as well. Don't worry, don't worry. We include it. We graciously include it as part of Bristol. Um, Bristol is consistently voted the UK's best city to live in. Um, We have got some beautiful architecture. I believe there's a nice post office in Long Ashton, as long as it's not being blown up. Um, uh, We've got green spaces. We've got the suspension bridge. We've even got the RAC Tower. I mean, what more could you want? Um, Bristol's great because it's like a small, big city or a big, small city, isn't it? Um, but, and it's kind of cool and creative and diverse. But Bristol also faces significant challenges. Beyond just the convenience of too much traffic and not enough parking... Um, I got a big response to that at Bradley Stoke. That was, that was obviously a touch of nerve. Um, but beyond the inconvenience of the cars, there is a massive rich-poor divide. Some, of, some parts of the city are wealthy and lots of people are educated, whilst others are poor and deprived. And in this city, like any other kind of concentration of humanity... There are big challenges and probably a dark side, a kind of underbelly to the city. Much of Bristol was built on the profits of the transatlantic slave trade, and that sadly still goes on in different forms. People are still trafficked and exploited in our city. And in the face of that kind of injustice, and overwhelming needs, we can think to ourselves, well, how can we possibly make a difference? What is the hope? What is the answer for Bristol? I would say there is never so great a need for the church to make a difference in our city as now. And so there's a passage uh, of the Bible that I want us to look at today, and it contains helpful truth. Just all of Scripture, we know, is useful and good for us and trains and equips us. But I think this passage also speaks directly to us in our context in Bristol in 2017. But before we read the passage, let me just give you a little bit of background. So uh, God's people had been in slavery in Egypt They'd uh, been brought out, led by Moses. 
They'd wandered in the desert, but God had brought them into the promised land. Uh, But the people had consistently rejected God, despite God sending prophets, men and women, who warned the people to turn back to God, they continually rejected him and went their own way. God had made a commitment to the people of Israel, a bit like a marriage. He'd provided everything for them and promised to bless them. And all they had to do was remain faithful to God. However, their consistent unfaithfulness ultimately led to the downfall of their nation and their city, Jerusalem. And the people were taken captive by the the superpower of the ancient world, Babylon, and they were taken into captivity into the city of Babylon. And so we're going to read from Jeremiah, who was a prophet seeking to bring God's message to the people. And he writes a letter to the exiles in Babylon. And we're going to read just a few verses from Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar, that's the king of Babylon, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is powerful to effect change in our hearts and lives. I thank you for every person here, and we thank you for the place that you've made for us to live. God, we pray that your word would bear fruit in our lives and would lead us to be a blessing to this city. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what does Jeremiah say, or I should say, what does God say to those exiles in Babylon? He says this. He says something rather surprising. You don't belong, but make yourselves at home. You're exiles, but settle down. Build houses. Plant gardens. I'm not a very good gardener. I'm good at killing plants, but not very good at making them live. Um, Get married. Have children. Increase in number. You see, God knew that they were going to be there for a while. The people of Israel were physically exiled from Jerusalem. But God was saying, make yourselves at home. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, then you're also an exile. That's a funny thing to say, isn't it? What, 
what does that mean? Well, we belong with God. We were each one of us created by God to know him and to be with him. But we have been separated from God, exiled from his presence because of sin. God is a holy God and he cannot abide sin. And so sin has separated us from him. But in sending Jesus, he made a way for us to have a restored relationship with him. But in that sense, we're also exiles in the world where we belong with God and we're here in the world temporarily. But while we're here, we're called to transform the world, not just become like it. And I would suggest to you that there are kind of two extremes. One extreme is, um, oh, the world is terrible. Let's withdraw from the world. Let's just be with other nice Christians who love Jesus, and we can worship together and have a lovely time together, but don't go anywhere near any of those nasty people. That can be one danger, one extreme. The, the other extreme is um, we want to be so relevant, we want to be so engaged in the world that we lose our distinctiveness and we have nothing to say, nothing to really change because we, we're exactly like everyone else. Alan Scott, who uh, was a vineyard pastor for many years and has recently in Ireland and has recently moved uh, to the States, said this, God has not called us to imitate the culture of our cities or to cultural relevance. He has called us to create culture, to shape culture, to lead society into a new story, into full humanity, into the glory he ordained from the beginning. So we need to find a middle ground. We need to engage in the life of the city, not live in a bubble, but to not also be exactly the same as everyone else, but to change the story from within. And God tells the exiles, and I believe God says to us, we do this by seeking the peace and prosperity of the city. Bristol, as we said, is very divided. There is inequality and injustice. For example, in one area of Hartcliffe in South Bristol, 65% of children live in what's called uh, an income-deprived household, whereas compared with only 1% of children that live in the Camford Park area of Westbury-on-Trim. So there's this huge divide, well over a half of children living in deprived income households in South Bristol and in another part of North Bristol, a, a, a really small minority, like the, like the equivalent percentage of the number of you that were born in Bristol. Very few of us. Um, there aren't many contexts in life where people from such disparate backgrounds can be brought together. But I believe church is definitely one of them. Whatever your background, wherever you're from, you are welcome in the church. And we need our diversity and we need to be brought together in unity. 
in Manchester after uh, the terrorist attack, the two football clubs put out this graphic, which is that if you're not into football, I forgive you. Um, City, it stands for Manchester City. They're rubbish, really bad. And then uh, United uh, is Manchester United, the most glorious football club in the world. And... um, But despite rivalry and animosity and probably nasty things that fans from the two clubs say to one another, in the face of terrorism and attacks, it was, actually, we're a city united. We we stand together against this sort of thing. And Bristol is a city of, they reckon, over 180 nationalities. So we need to be a people who promote unity and peace. Unity in the midst of incredible diversity and justice and peace in the face of injustice. We also need to be friends with other churches in Bristol. And we need to show respect to people of other faiths or people of no faith. It doesn't mean we agree with them but we can still show love and respect. And then Jeremiah says, Seek the prosperity of the city, and you will prosper. God loves people, and there are lots of people in cities. So God wants cities to thrive. When cities are well run and just and fair then it will be good for everyone. Sometimes we can just think of prosperity in material terms, like do I have somewhere to live and um, do I have enough money? But actually true prosperity is physical and emotional and spiritual. And for us and for our city to prosper, it's to grow healthy and strong. So how do you and I seek the peace and prosperity of Bristol. After the exiles had lived in Babylon for 70 years, that's nearly three generations they lived in exile, God started the process of bringing them back to Jerusalem. And one of the key leaders in making that happen was a guy called Nehemiah. And I want to highlight two things that Nehemiah did that will help us seek the peace and prosperity of Bristol. It says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the and are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah became aware of the state of Jerusalem. Verse 4 says he wept over the city of his forefathers. What are the things 
in Bristol that break your heart. Bristol has six areas that are in the most deprived 1% of places in England. Places like Whitchurch, Hartcliffe, and Lawrence Hill. In Bristol, there are around 700 children in care each year. Only about 50 to 100 get adopted. Around 40% are fostered in Bristol, 30% outside Bristol, and around 5% are in children's homes. That can be shocking, because I think we can think, oh, children's homes don't really exist. But they still do. To seek the peace and prosperity of the city, we have to know the city. I've made uh, a little handout there just at the welcome desk at the back if you want to take one away. And it just picks up some uh, statistics from a document called The State of Bristol 2015. So it's nothing I've created. I've just picked out some interesting facts and figures about Bristol. But if we want to change Bristol, then we have to know about Bristol for ourselves. But it's not enough just to know facts and information. We need to get close enough to feel things. We need to, if we want to know about areas, we need to spend time in those areas. We need to ask questions, build friendships, get to know people. When I first moved back to Bristol, um, I was staying at someone's house, and so I got the train into Temple Meads, but then I walked from Temple Meads up to the north of Bristol. Now, you wouldn't normally do that. You'd normally get a taxi or uh, a bus or get a nice person to come and collect you. Um, But Part of walking around for me is getting to know the city, and I still do that. When I have meetings with people, I try and walk because it gets you around. You get to know the city. And if you walk around with your eyes open, you quickly start to see some of the needs, some of the issues. And the truth is, the more we get to know the city, actually the more overwhelming the need can seem and the less able we feel to do anything about it. So, what can we do? Well, Nehemiah did something. He got permission to go back to the city, and he galvanized the people to rebuild it. So what about you? What's the something that you can do? Well, firstly, like Nehemiah, we can pray. You can pick up one of these handouts and read and start to pray for different people or situations in the city. Maybe there's a particular area of the city that's on your heart. We need to pray for our mayor, Marvin Reese, and the leadership of the city. But you can pray as you're walking around as well. You may meet someone and you can be praying silently in your head for them. God, I pray that they would experience something of God's love in this moment. You can pray that God would make you a blessing to them. And there will sometimes be occasions where you can actually say, would you like me to pray? You can pray 
for healing or for a particular need or situation. And prayer leads us very naturally into serving the city. Just as Nehemiah got everyone involved in rebuilding Jerusalem, we can all play a part in building the health and welfare of the place where we live. God has called us to engage, not to live in a bubble. So we don't need to kind of withdraw or protect ourselves from pain or hardship because we have God's resources available to us. Infinite needs require infinite resources. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have infinite resources. Infinite demand will only be met by infinite capacity. We soon exhaust ourselves trying to do things, but God's grace and resources are inexhaustible. Jeremiah writes in another book called Lamentations. Yes, it really is as bad as that, Lamentations. Um, But he writes this, which is just a wonderful verse. So if you only read one verse or two verses in Lamentations, read this. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You can keep pouring out your life for others if God keeps pouring into you. Or put it the other way, if you don't keep getting filled with God's Spirit, you will quickly reach the end of yourself. One of the best ways you can serve and bless this city is by doing something really practical, is by joining a City Hands project. There's actually one coming up next Saturday. I think it's the last of this year. Um, But it's just a a practical way, normally through gardening or decorating, that we can serve a vulnerable person in our city. So if you want to know more information, then um, there'll be someone who can answer your questions at the welcome desk at the back. We're also thinking as a leadership team about... Uh, what role we can play as a whole church in serving our city. And we are absolutely committed to serving the disadvantaged and the marginalized in our city. And so we'll be talking about that, but we want to move quickly into action. We want that to be a tangible thing that we all know about and we can all engage in. Think about this. If we weren't here, would Bristol notice? Would it, would, would it make any difference? It's a challenging question, isn't it? Is what, are we, what are we tangibly contributing to the city in which we live? Whether you're a Christian here today or not, I think we'd all agree that church should count for something in the city. It should be good for people. It should help people and make things better. And every city, every kind of concentration of people needs an answer to the social problems like deprivation, neglect, or exploitation 
that stem from human sinfulness. Greed, selfishness, and injustice. So, we can make a difference. We can make an impact in Bristol. We can help to build a community that serves and brings hope to the city. But not because we're anything special. You'll be delighted to know it's not actually reliant on you and it's not reliant on me. It's not because we're anything special, but because we know an amazing God who has infinite resources at his disposal. His grace never gets exhausted. His love never runs out. People need hope, and the hope for Bristol is Jesus. Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, says in Philippians 3, but our citizenship is in heaven. It's back to the thing of exiles. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. People in our city are waiting for something to believe in, someone they can trust. And we've profiled Christmas this morning. At Christmas, we celebrate that God himself came to earth, that Jesus was born, that he lived a perfect life. But he died on a wooden cross outside the city of Jerusalem, and he died for everyone in that city, the Jews and the Romans. He died for everyone in the world, everyone throughout history. He's the one who can restore and rescue. He's paid the price for everything that we've ever done wrong. And the gospel has the power to transform this city. It brings hope where there's despair. It can turn lost causes into success stories. Jesus loves the unlovely. He takes the despised and rejected, and he welcomes and accepts them. Jesus' love and forgiveness can change people and can rewrite the story of Bristol. It moved Muller, uh, George Muller, to care for thousands and thousands of orphans in Bristol. It took Whitfield to preach to the miners. We have a wonderful heritage in Bristol. But who are today's Mullers and Wesleys and Whitfields? Is it you? We can so often look for someone else to do something. But what about us? What are we going to do? You might be a leader in business or in education or in the health service or, or you may uh, have no particular responsibility. God needs men and women who will stand up and take responsibility and lead, not for their own gain, but for the good of everyone in our society. Bristol's changed a lot since I lived here as a child. Some things have got better, there's been some redevelopment, and probably some things have got worse as well. Wouldn't it be amazing in another generation's time if Bristol was completely transformed by God? Why not?
Why not in our day? Imagine people starting to understand what Jesus has done for them, experiencing God's mercy and compassion for themselves. Imagine God's kingdom breaking in more and more, things being done more righteously, more love, more grace, more forgiveness. Imagine the majority of businesses doing things with integrity. Imagine a city that was fairer and more just, a city fighting exploitation and trafficking and poverty. Imagine the most vulnerable people and children being cared for. We're only going to see God's kingdom in all its fullness in heaven, but it's a dream worth fighting for. And we can believe for God's kingdom breaking in more and more and for us playing our part in that happening. I'm living for that kind of Bristol. Let's get to know our city. Let's serve our city. And let's follow Jesus as he changes the story of Bristol. We don't belong here, but we're making ourselves at home seeking the peace and prosperity of the city, bringing the light of Christ into the darkest places and seeing him change the story from despair and division to hope and unity. Can we stand together? And if the band could come back. Father, we thank you so much for the heritage that we have in this city. We thank you for people that have gone before us and pioneered in amazing ways. And Lord, we ask you, please, would you uh, speak to our hearts, Lord? Speak to us about the role that we have to play corporately as a church. But God, I pray even now, Holy Spirit, you'd be laying people and places and situations on our hearts. Lord, speak to us about the things that you want us to pray about, the things that you want us to do. We thank you so much, Lord, that we're not just a kind of human rights organization trying to do good, but actually we're a people who know the love of God, who have an amazing, powerful God who can change people and can transform whole cities, whole nations with the gospel. Lord God, we're looking to you to transform lives and we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.